Hey Siri, is the ketogenic diet good for me? Okay, I found this on the web for is the ketogenic diet good for me? Check it out. Hey Siri, is the ketogenic diet bad for me? Okay, I found this on the web for is the ketogenic diet bad for me? Check it out. Take it with a grain of salt. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of A Grain of Salt Nutrition Podcast with me, your host, Brandon Carabelosa. So in today's episode and episode five of the podcast, we are talking about hydration. That's right. Bottoms up. Cheers. Grab a drink and hold on to your seats. We're going to talk to everything from alcohol to just different types of water, sports drinks, sodas, diet sodas, and all these other products in the market. And the first thing you might be tempted to ask yourself is, wow, why is Brandon spending an entire episode just talking about hydration and what we're drinking when, you know, mostly food is what we're eating and that's how I lose weight, that's how I build muscle? Well, your body is actually anywhere from 50 to 75% water weight. And that range is a bit different depending on how lean you are. The more muscular you are, the more water weight you're going to hold since muscle is mostly water. Whereas fat is mostly absent of water. So the more fat deposits you have in your body, the more adipose tissue you have, the less water you're going to have. So that range difference, but either way, you're somewhere between half to 75% of your body is made up of water. So given that, it's safe to assume that this nutrient is super important. And the other thing you see is, right, those movies where somebody's in the jungle and they only have a certain amount of days to survive. Well, that is true. You have about a week in storage or a week before you run out of water and are severely dehydrated going to the point of death. Now, this isn't because, okay, food's more important. Why? Less important. Why? Because, you know, you can last months, whatever, without food. The real reason behind all this is that there's no true storage form of water. So after seven days, you're fully dehydrated. There's nothing our body can do to grab onto water. And so that's it. That's the end. Whereas food, we have fat. We have muscle that can break down. Our body is really good at breaking that down and taking those nutrients and making sure that we can survive longer. Whereas after seven days, there's nothing our body can break down for more water. We have no more water and that's it. So really because there's no storage form of water is the reason why water is needed in such a quicker amount or in terms of death, why it happens a lot faster without water. But Let's take away from that some other function of water is it contributes to our blood volume, right? It helps with transportation of nutrients and oxygen throughout our body. It's important in every single chemical reaction that's going on. Um, A big part of water is temperature regulation. So if you're dehydrated, you're going to see changes in your your temperature. So whether it's feverish or uh, a lower temperature and waste production, right? Getting the bowels moving, water is super important. So... How much should we be drinking? And we're talking about water. And again, water comes from a lot of sources. And when you're having coffee or tea and, you know, we'll get to those, but those, those count soda juice. It does count. It's talking about total hydration. Um, and we'll pick those apart a bit more, but in terms of total hydration, men need about 3.7 liters a day and women about 2.7. Of course, there's a very specific number we can use for everybody, but we're trying to be a little bit more general here. So, 
When it comes to intake, though, that's also including from your food. Fruits and vegetables especially are mostly water as well. And water is in your meat products. Water is in your carbohydrate products. So you're getting some food sources of water and it accounts for about 20%. So if we take away that 20%, then what's your real intake needed for the day? Well, for men, that's going to be something around 3 liters, 13 cups or so. And for women, something around 2, 2.2 liters, around 9 cups. Minimally speaking, what we really want to do is somewhere between that 1 to 3 liters a day of fluid in order to replace our daily losses. But again, being a little bit more specific specific to gender, somewhere between 2.2 to 3 liters. And you got to think about things like Activity. Are you an athlete? Are you running? Do you need to replace? And that's a whole nother level. How much water you're losing during activity may increase how much you need for the day um, to make up for those losses. But generally speaking, guys, let's aim for one to three liters minimum a day of hydration so that we can make sure we are surviving, right? Not going more than seven days. I'd like to see you guys alive and listening. Um, and so that we are making sure that our body can properly function as mentioned before. So water is going to be the first part of the liquid since it's the most important. So I guess the first question is, well, is there a difference between tap water and bottled water? And the answer is maybe, right? So, you know, again, I live in Westchester and I've grown up, I grew up in New York City most of my life and we're pretty fortunate to have some of the best tap water. And I think if you let the faucet run for a few seconds, there's really no research to show that this is bad, right? Bottled water, same degree, can have some contaminants as well. And so we're really looking for what's the distinction here. And it's typically coming down to the minerals, right? So mineral water is somewhere we can lead into with this discussion, tap versus bottled water. If the bottled water is reinforce or it has some added minerals in it, then it may be something we want to look into, right? If there's more calcium and magnesium and less sodium, that's sort of that profile we're looking for in our mineral water. And we'll get some of these natural mineral water minerals in our tap water. We'll get some of these natural minerals in resources like outside in the world, right? Natural springs, um, But sometimes bottled water are coming from filtrated places. So we're actually not getting any of the minerals and our tap water has more minerals than our bottled water. When it really comes down to hydration, if you're in a place where typically, especially North America, but all around the world, if your infrastructure is pretty developed, then tap water is a very good source of of water consumption, where you can get your water from. If the water has any issues, then of course, bottled water, regardless of where it's coming from, whether it has minerals or not, is the next best level or at the same level, right? Depending. And then just looking at your bottled water, if you're going to tap into the mineral water industry, we don't want to see too much sodium. We don't want to see, and we do want to see more magnesium and calcium. And they're not really going to label this, but you know, you can kind of start paying attention to these things as well. So Get enough water. Is it tap? Is it mineral? If you're in a place with good infrastructure, it can be either or. Really just getting enough is the most important thing. So if you can only afford one bottle a day and tap is free, then tap into the tap, okay? Um, And when it comes to the different types of mineral waters, just pay attention to to the label um, and always continue to ask questions. So the next one is probably carbonated water. 
and carbonator and water gets a bad rap. There's some studies that show it may give you less hydration. There's some studies that show it may give you dental caries, right? You can get cavities, especially from the flavored ones. There's some studies that show it may lead into some GI distress, like acid reflux. Overall, when we look at the large body of research, um, there's not enough information to claim any of these are 100% true. When it comes to GI distress and acid reflux, the gas of the carbonation can lower the sphincter that connects the esophagus up, and that loosening of that sphincter there can cause some reflux upwards. So if you're someone who is particularly feeling these sort of symptoms, then yes, I wouldn't drink carbonated water. But that doesn't mean it's going to lead to the exacerbation of acid reflux or GERD. So you don't have to worry if you're a carbonated fan, continue. When it comes to the dental caries, there is some erosion aspect there. One of the best things you can do here is maybe not go the flavored version or drink it and make sure that you're washing your, your mouth afterwards if you have the option, if you're home, brushing your teeth sooner than later to be on the safe side. But even still, there is not enough research there. And lastly, when it comes to it not having the same amount of hydration, that's something that I've looked over a lot trying to find where that came from, that study, and I have not found that. So water is water in this sense, and seltzer can be something to kind of spice up the flavor, right? Water can sometimes be boring for some people, especially when you, maybe you grew up drinking juice and soda. And so even flavored seltzer may be something that just has a better buzz for you, and if you're getting enough hydration, then I'm happy, All right? So we have mineral water, we have carbonated water, we have tap water, and we have bottled water. The last type of water I want to mention is alkaline water. Wow, big buzz. Alkaline water, right? Let's get that pH more basic so that we're not acidic. Uh, is this really factual? I mean, there's some evidence that, you know, the acidity in our body can lead to other inflama inflammation stages. It can lead to, you know... I would say some sort of, again, inflammation, but overall, our stomach is pretty acidic. So even when you get alkaline water and you add that into your system, by the time it reaches the stomach, there's not necessarily a lot of work that's going to be done there. How do we know this is alkaline water? What else is in that water? How much did this alkaline water cost? There's not enough evidence to show that alkaline water is having a positive effect on your body that I would go ahead and say, hey, you got to have it got to choose it. If you're going to choose water, it's got to be alkaline water. If you have the means and it's something that may have some potential effort, some potential good in it behind it, then sure, go ahead. But I can't sit here and say, hey, this is going to improve your life. Now, the one study that was found to make some sort of benefit is for athletes in terms of hydration potential and post like exhaustive workout, high intensity of interval training or high athletic sports performance training. When they had alkaline water, there was a little bit of a better hydration potential there. So if you're falling within that subcategory of people, then sure, if you can afford it, then, then there is some potential benefit there when it comes to hydration. Outside of that, again, I will repeat, Water is water is water. Drink your water. So the next one is soda. And I think this is mostly known, but I just want to highlight just regular soda and then get into diet soda, which has a bit more controversy. So when it comes to soda, the reason why it's not good for us, one of the top reasons 
A, well, it actually does have to do with dental caries, right? Um, soda, Coke in general, but all types of soda with that phosphorus or those soda with the with the dark flavoring, the dark colors, um, can actually lead to dental caries, especially because of the sugar content. But when it comes to sugar content in the day, the idea, the general guidelines, the healthy guidelines for America is consume less than 10% of calories per day from, from added sugars. So if you're taking a typical 2,000 calorie diet, 10% is 200 calories. 200 calories in terms of carbohydrates is about 50 grams or 50 grams exactly. And one can of Pepsi, a can of Pepsi is 41 grams of sugar. One bottle of Pepsi, not a two liter, but just a self bottle you would buy at the pizza shop, is about 69 grams of sugar. And we can relate this also into juice and to other things like Snapple. So a bottle of Snapple um, is 60, uh, is 60, 47 grams. Sorry, a cup of OJ is 27 grams. A bottle of Gatorade is 34 grams. A cup of apple juice is 27 grams of added sugar. So when it comes to soda, and keeping within the healthy guidelines of not having too much added sugar in a day, that's the main reason we're kicking it out, right? It's only contributing to things like obesity and diabetes. It's the one food or beverage that I can say, hey, I cannot make a claim for this product, right? It is unhealthy for you. It is more healthy to not drink this. I can make an argument for almost anything. Hey, a Pop-Tart, at least you're eating and get some protein, but soda, there's nothing there besides the hydration factor, but that's not enough for me. Um, so that leads us into diet soda, which is a bit more controversial, right? Like, should I replace my soda intake with diet soda? Diet soda is super popular. And so with diet soda, what we see is people are paying attention to the, the non-nutritive sweeteners, right? So the, there's two types of non-nutritive sweeteners. We have artificial sweeteners and we have the natural sweetener. So artificial sweeteners are things like aspartame, right? Saccharin, sucralose. You see these things in like Equal and Sweet and Low and Splenda. And then the natural sweeteners are things that you're seeing a little bit more popular these days like monk fruit um, or something like stevia. And the difference between those two is that obviously one is chemically made and the other one is naturally found. Um, either way, there's no guidelines, especially with the even with the artificial sweeteners that are actually mass produced and used in North America. They're generally recognized as safe products, grass products to a certain amount, which none of us are really having more than. Uh, there's no necessarily harmful effects. Now, anybody can be symptomatic when it comes to something. It can maybe cause some GI distress, right? Anything, especially with sugar, alcohols, when it comes to diet products, maybe something more along like a protein bar, can cause some, some um, GI distress. But otherwise, there's really no research 100% pointing out saying that this is bad for us. Now, as a dietitian, my general recommendation is, hey, if you can go more natural, like a water or a seltzer or even a flavored seltzer route, I would tend to say, let's do this because it's a bit more natural and I'm a fan of more natural. But if you're someone who's drinking a lot of regular soda or Snapple and you're trying to make that next step and that diet soda or that diet Snapple is that next step for you, then that's an important step to make because it does make a big difference on your health. So I am a fan of switching to those diet products, but just like anything else, it is a step and we can get more towards natural things like water and infused water if you're really looking for some flavor. 
So when it comes to our artificial sweeteners, the largest body of research, you know, like anything else does show there can be some immediate side effects, but there's no long-term studies that are showing anything when it comes to harm in the body. Um, yes, there's always going to be populations that want to be careful. And again, if you fall into that population, if you have a special need, then that's when you do reach out to a registered dietitian or some sort of medical professional. professional. Um, but in this case, we're really just looking at the large body of research for the large body population. And the answer is it's okay. All right. So it's okay. Now we mentioned Gatorade and sports drinks, sports drinks. So when it comes to things like Gatorade, the problem behind it is we're drinking it like soda or juice, right? You go to the grocery store and you see a 10-year-old boy, 11-year-old girl buying Gatorade. And Gatorade is a product that's meant to replenish you. It's meant to have enough sugar and electrolytes to help you recover from exercise. Now, we're talking about vigorous exercise and we're talking about 60 to 90 minutes plus. Gatorade was meant for athletes who are exercising for more than 60 to 90 minutes at a high intensity level that need more electrolytes and need more sugar because they're burning it at such a high level. That's not most of us. If you're listening to this and that's who you are, you're a high level athlete, then yes, sure, Gatorade can be something that's very beneficial to replenish you and rehydrate you. But if you're someone who's just maybe an everyday gym goer or someone who's not that active, then there's no need for Gatorade. They do have watered down versions like G2, like their diet versions that can be more suitable because you still get the electrolytes, but you don't get the added sugar. But overall, unless you're having a very intense exercise routine that's lasting at least 60 to 90 minutes, there's no need for a sports drink like Gatorade. So from sports drinks, we can go to energy drinks, right? And before we get into energy drinks, let's talk about coffee. Coffee, 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 coffee. America runs on coffee. Not Dunkin', but coffee. Sorry, Dunkin'. Um, Is coffee good for you? Is coffee bad for you? Well, when we think about coffee on its own, coffee's fine, right? There's no research that has real sound evidence of negative impacts of coffee. If you are someone who is maybe not drinking coffee or someone who has maybe high blood pressure or a high elevated heart rate, then that can be a reason why you shouldn't drink coffee. There's no benefit in drinking coffee if you're not a coffee drinker, but regular coffee drinkers who are actually drinking anything from as little as three cups to even as high as, it sounds crazy, but six cups cups a day can actually find that they can lower the risk of several disease conditions, right? Um, Now, when you drink more, you obviously can have some symptomatics like anxiety or insomnia, but outside of that, if unless you're a pregnant woman or you have one of those other conditions, coffee can actually be pr- beneficial. It can help boost the metabolism. Um, and as I mentioned before, there is no association with coffee drinking in any major chronic disease. And if anything, coffee does have some antioxidants in there that can actually help and benefit rather than be seen as a negative. So What makes coffee bad sometimes is what we're adding to it, the milk or the sugar. But a cup of joe, maybe with some almond milk and no sugar, or a couple cups of joe a day, 
listen, it's okay. It actually can be beneficial for you. Just make sure you're not within that population. Make sure you're not overdoing it. Think about other things like, am I getting good sleep? Um, Is this affecting how much water I drink in a day? Then that's something to worry about. But overall, coffee is a fine product. It's actually a good product. It's actually a healthy product. Be careful what you put into it. And contrary to popular belief, it does not dehydrate you. Alcohol will, but coffee does not. So there is a water content to coffee that you are absorbing. I know you go to the bathroom more frequently, but not enough. So coffee is not a a dehydrating product as well. Energy drinks, the reason why we group them into, group them together is because a lot of times the stimulant is coming from caffeine. So if you can get something as natural as coffee that actually has some proven health benefits and isn't negative for you unless you fit a specific population subset, then why get it from a thing that's filled with a bunch of chemicals? And that's really my only take on energy drinks is the stuff that you're getting in the market that have these crazy flavors and all that. They're probably not that healthy for you for a degree of reasons, so be careful with them. If what you're looking for is energy, there's a better way to get that, and that's through coffee and tea. Tea. Let's talk about tea, right? Tea is one of those great products. If you're someone who just loves drinking something warm, and maybe you're still a little doubtful about the coffee that I mentioned and it being good, Brandon's crazy, there's no way coffee's good for you, I promise it can be, but tea is the the remedy here black tea green tea herbal tea but especially black and green tea and especially green tea there's so much potent antioxidants in there the phenols in here actually have so much to do with lowering cardiovascular disease metabolic disease and cancer um, that there's so there's so much benefit from tea so if you're an avid tea drinker, the one thing I always question is what's going into it. You know, be careful. Honey breaks down to sugar, so too much honey is not a good thing. Too much sugar is not a good thing, as we mentioned with the soda. But if you're just someone who loves a cup of tea, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, drink as much tea as you want. Um, be careful with the sweetness, but unsweetened tea, hot or cold, so many good benefits in there. Continue to drink the tea. Maybe that can be that warm replacement for you if you're trying to cut down on coffee because it's causing insomnia. From tea, we can talk about kombucha, right? Because it's a product of tea. It's a fermented product of tea. And kombucha gets a lot of attention these days, right? Um, really, when it comes to it, be careful with added sugar when it in the kombucha, there's a lot of flavoring to it because it's a pretty tart, it's a fermented product. So think of like kimchi or kefir. It's very, it can be very tart. So in order to compensate, what they're doing is they're adding some sugary products. Sugar is a natural byproduct of it, right? And so is alcohol. So the things you want to look for is the sugar content. Is it high in alcohol? Most of them aren't that high. Some of them you do need an ID if you're buying a really pure organic kombucha. So if you're a pregnant woman or if you're avoiding alcohol for any reason, be careful with kombucha. Um, Otherwise, the properties that make kombucha so great are going to be the same sort of phenols that you get from the tea and the probiotic kind of aspect that you're getting from the fermenting process. So that has to do with gut health and even weight loss. Overall, kombucha is a pretty good product to consume. Be careful with the added sugar. Think about whether you can have alcohol in your diet. And overall, just make sure you're getting enough water and not too much sugar in a day. But big, big fan of kombucha. So from here, let's head into milk, right? Milk's a pretty good one because is milk good for you? Is milk good, bad for you? What are the alternatives? So when we think about milk, 
the healthy guidelines dictate that no more than 22 grams or again that 10% of our diet come from saturated fat if we were talking about a 2000 calorie diet that is right so it's still 10% but 10% of 2000 again 200 you break that into grams of fat that's 22 grams of fat so we shouldn't have more than 22 grams of saturated fat in our diet saturated fat has a lot to do with cardiovascular disease cholesterol right um, elevated cholesterol and all this other inflammatory processes that aren't good for us in our diet so that's why we try to limit saturated fat and so when you think about milk, that's what we're paying attention to. So let's step away from milk. Why would we choose low-fat, 2%, or full-fat milk? Full-fat milk is healthy, right? In terms of, you know, it provides good vitamins and minerals and calcium and, and protein source for you, right? Overall, what we're paying attention to is that saturated fat. So if you're only on a 2,000-calorie diet, and you can only have 22 grams of saturated fat a day, and one cup of whole milk has about 4.5 grams of saturated fat. The real question is, should I drink whole milk? Maybe stems from, okay, where else is my saturated fat coming in today? Do I eat a lot of saturated fat? If so, maybe I want to choose a lower fat content milk, especially if I'm a big milk drinker, someone who has maybe two or three cups. So places you're going to find saturated fat in your diet outside of milk will be from fried foods, fast foods, fatty beef like lamb and pork, poultry with the skin. Um, you're going to see it in other dairy products like lard and ice cream and butter and cheese. So if you're someone who right now may be eating a lot of those things, red meats and butter and ice cream and chips and cookies and cakes and you're also having full fat milk, and you're also having two or three cups a day, then maybe whole milk is a place where you can start to lower that saturated fat intake. However, if you're someone who is avoiding a lot of these foods, you're on a pretty healthy diet, because those are the, some, some of the things we actually do want to avoid on a healthy diet, and you're having just one cup of milk, or the only milk you do have is the milk you add to your coffee, then I'm a fan of keeping it natural and going for the full fat milk. If you're within a calorie restriction, of course, you can go to a lower fat milk as well. Um, but overall, what we're really paying attention to is not necessarily the dairy, but the milk and the total content of saturated fat in your diet. The other thing here is that a lot of us are lactose intolerant. The best group that has um, a tolerance to lactose of the northern Europeans because they've been around milk for a long time. But other groups around the world, so whether you're Latin American or African or other parts of Europe, what happens is we didn't grow up with milk. We're talking about, you know, years and years ago, our ancestors. And so we don't have that same type of enzyme that they built into. So a lot of times we find lactose intolerance earlier in our life. And believe it or not, a lot of us will develop lactose intolerance at some point in our life. So if you're someone who's feeling that and you don't want to feel that, then I would say, ideally speaking, go for a dairy alternative. And that's the only other reason why you would limit milk in your diet. Now, dairy alternatives are fun. There's a bunch. We have things like soy milk, oat milk, almond milk, hemp seed milk, rice milk. I think when you're really looking at all the differences, what you're really trying to pay attention to is, okay, A, why am I making a change? If you're trying to lower saturated fat, great. If you're trying to lower calories, cool. If you just want to make a change, cool. So what's the reason now, right? 
If you're someone who is low protein, then I wouldn't go from whole milk to almond milk or from whole milk to rice milk or from whole milk to oat milk because they don't have a lot of protein. But what does have a lot of protein that's a dairy alternative is soy milk. But maybe you're trying to avoid avoid soy, but you're a meat eater, so you don't need to worry about the protein, but you're trying to lose weight. Okay, so go for a lower calorie milk like rice milk or like a almond milk. Oh, but almond milk just isn't thick and I'm not really... I don't really care too much about the calories. Okay, so then oat milk, right? So that's the kind of the progression you want to take. Why am I making this switch? What are my needs? And what is, what's my preference? Overall, they're pretty decent rice and soy. Get them unsweetened, oat milk, get them all unsweetened. Make sure there's no added sugar in there. And stick to a serving size. If you need protein and you're looking for a good protein source, then soy is going to be your best. If you need a lower calorie option, then almond milk is going to be your best. And if somewhere in between that's maybe not as high as regular milk, as low as almond milk, doesn't have the protein but has like a good mouthful, then maybe oat milk is the best for you. Either way, um, they can all be great alternatives. And again, like everything else, just in moderation and think about what your need is. So we talked about all the milk and milk alternatives. We talked about kombucha and tea and coffee, energy drinks and sports drinks, um, water and soda and, and, and different types of water and diet drinks and diet beverages and juices, right? Um, so the last thing is alcohol. Now, you hear a lot of different things about alcohol. The first thing I want to say is there is no real evidence that shows starting to drink alcohol is beneficial. So if it's not in your life, then I'm making a disclaimer that no matter what I say, there's no real reason to drink it in order to be more healthy. Now, some of the reasons why we drink alcohol is not about the healthy aspect of it. There's religious reasons, there's social reasons, and maybe there's reasons to just decompress. Those are the reasons why I would say pay attention to your alcohol consumption. I think there's a lot more to food and nutrition than just the numbers and just the science, right? We're kind of going to get stressed over this perfect diet, and I'm not a firm believer in a perfect diet, and we're actually going to talk about this in my next podcast, so I'm excited, but the reason why I mention all this is because if you're someone who has a long day of work, and for some reason that one glass of vino really just gets you to calm down and relax then maybe the alcohol isn't necessarily beneficial, but what it's doing for your mind state might be. And if that's the case, then I'm a fan, right? Now, you'll see some research that says, you know, alcohol may be beneficial for you and definitely red wine. So, yes, we might find that a moderate drinker of alcohol, which means someone who's been drinking one glass if you're a female, one to two glasses if you're a male, throughout his life at that moderate amount, then there's some evidence that, especially in the older populations, it can play a role in cardiovascular disease and prevention, or at least helping it to a degree. So you, you have, you're less likely to get cardiovascular disease. Um, and that really has to do with some of the antioxidants in it, but especially in red wine, what you'll see is... Um, those same type of like grapes and, and berries, the phenols and the antioxidants in there that help. So if you're looking for it for that reason, like I want to lower my risk of cardiovascular disease, the cardiovascular disease I'm going to start drinking alcohol. That's not really the greatest thing to say. 
that's that's not why I would start drinking alcohol. In fact, they're probably doing more harm than good if you start drinking alcohol, even if you start in moderation and you're only drinking something like red wine. If you're a non-drinker, you should keep it that way if you can. However, if you're in moderation and you're within an older age and you are drinking the something especially like red wine, then there may be some evidence that it can benefit you to some small degree. Still, disclaimer, not saying to drink. Um, otherwise, if you're drinking for the social reasons and all that, just be careful. Make sure you're of age. Make sure you're not overdoing it. You have a ride home, right? Those are the other re- things you want to pay attention to. And the sugar content. So if you can keep it something like light beer or just you know just a spirit, just a liquor um, or just a red wine, nothing sweet, and then that's the best place to go. Right, so when you think about what a standard size of a drink should be, it's technically about 15 grams of alcohol, and that equates to about 12 ounces of beer, um, 10 ounces of like a wine cooler, five ounces of a glass of wine, 1.5 ounce of a pour of hard liquor. So that would all contribute to one serving. So one to two of those would be within moderation. Otherwise, again, sorry to say, I can't make the statement that alcohol is good for you, and you should start drinking it. But for other reasons, maybe you do drink it and, you know, we're all human, we're all social, we all have our own reasons and agendas and I think that's something to pay attention to that that's also okay. So to sum it up um, on today's episode, guys, hydration is key, right? We want to make sure we're getting mostly water um, and your water sources can come from varied places but to me what really is important is how much you're drinking and making sure you're getting enough Watch out for saturated fat. Watch out for added sugars. Watch out for gimmicks and claims on all these labels. Diet can be a stepping stone. It's not necessarily harmful, but make be maybe make it a stepping stone so that you can get more towards the natural route. Sports drinks are for athletes. Alcohol, make that decision on your own. It doesn't necessarily have to be something you do or don't do, but know there is no real health claim behind it for you to start drinking kombucha is great tea is great keep drinking your coffee and if you're looking at the dairy alternatives then just make sure they're fitting your need for you specifically thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of a grain of salt nutrition podcast please like subscribe share send me some comments i love to talk about any content you guys are looking forward to hearing Um, thank you have a great one